0: Welcome back to a and Productions. My name is Miles, and I'm excited to bring you guys Season 3, Episode 1. And today we're going to be discussing the NFL wildcard round, and I'm going to be giving you guys some breakdowns of three compelling games while also giving you guys some context on the teams and giving you a little bit of insight on what I think will happen in these matchups and who I think will win these games, and I'll give you guys a final score prediction. Without further ado, I'm going to get into perhaps the biggest matchup on this wild card slate, and that is the Detroit Lions versus the LA Rams. Now, this game takes place on Sunday at 8 p.m., and Los Angeles will travel to Detroit and play in their home field. Now, the reason why I say Lions versus Rams may be the largest wild card playoff matchup in the past, uh, I-, I believe, decade, I-, I think it's for a couple reasons. The, the obvious storyline is Matt Stafford's homecoming to Detroit. Now, Matt Stafford Matt Stafford once he he carried he carried Detroit on his back for nearly a decade. It's a place where he sacrificed everything, put his body on a line to make the Lions a playoff team. But even in his 12 years there, they were not able to find any postseason success, and despite his talent and despite the good team around him and also at times poor team around him, he couldn't make much of the city. Now, they finally have done it. The Lions are in the playoffs and they won the division, but they have a different quarterback leading the way. His name is Jared Goff. Now, the interesting about Goff is he didn't begin his career lion. Rather, he was a ram for five seasons and even led them to a Super Bowl appearance in 2018. Goff was a quarterback of a potent offense, all schemed by mastermind head coach Sean McVay. McVeigh and Goff were a perfect pairing. At times, it seemed like McVeigh and Goff were almost psychic. They were on the same page, and they were really, really in tune. Their offense was one of the best in the league, and the Rams were almost, uh, were almost similar to this, uh, the, the greatest show on turf, which we saw in the early 2000s with Kurt Warner, and they were very reminiscent of that era of, uh, of Rams football. Now, Goff played well in his time in L.A., but when his rookie deal came to an end, Coach McVay chose to part ways with his quarterback and believed that Goff was what was holding his roster back from the title. Now, McVay and the Rams traded for veteran Detroit quarterback Matt Stafford, and he became a Ram in exchange for Jared Goff and some draft picks. Soon after, the Rams hoisted up a Super Bowl trophy with Stafford leading the way with a legendary postseason run. Stafford finally led a team to the postseason and successfully won a Super Bowl and got a well-deserved ring. McVeigh seemed to get the last laugh over Goff as the Lions that season were bottom dwellers with a 3-10 final record. However, in these past two years, a lot has changed. Goff and his head coach, Dan Campbell, conquered the NFC North for the first time since 1993, and Detroit is finally back in the postseason. They have the chance to end a drought of over 30 years with a win in the wild card round and who stands in their way. None other than Sean McVay, Matt Stafford and the LA Rams. So if you're a football fan or a fan of sports in general, and this just doesn't make you want to watch this game, it doesn't get you going. I don't know what to tell you because this is seriously with all these storylines. This is seriously, seriously something out of a movie. Matt Stafford has a chance to come home to Detroit and Possibly deliver them a big, a big punch in the mouth and knock them out of the playoffs. And on the other hand, Jared Goff has a chance to write off the doubt that his head coach and the city of LA put on him, as they got rid of him and shipped him away to Detroit and didn't think they would ever see him again. But now he stands in their way of a possible repeat to a try another shot at a Super Bowl title. Now. Storylines aside, this is a very intriguing matchup between two teams that ended their regular seasons quite differently. The Lions walk in, walk in as division champions, but also with some questions in their play after recent losses to division rivals Bears, Packers, and also a well-known controversial loss to the Cowboys on primetime. Now, the Rams contrast this because they've won their last six of eight, and one of their losses was a close game against the AFC-topping Ravens they come in feeling confident and also healthy as most of their starters were rested in Week 18 in a win over the 49ers. <clears throat> the Lions took a different approach and played all their starters in their game against the Vikings in Week 18, and in the process, star rookie tight end Sam Laporta hyper-extended his knee, and wide receiver Cleef Raymond was also banged up, and both of these players, who are key offensively for the Lions, could be knocked out of this matchup. So, the Lions... Despite the fact that they have a better record overall than the Rams this season, walk in feeling a little bit weird and with analysts and fans alike feeling a little bit questionable about where they stand because of their recent losses and also because of their injuries. On the other hand, the Rams feel pretty hot right now, and they honestly feel very confident because they were able to beat the the 49ers, who, mind you, were playing their backups, but also the Rams played their backups, so they walk in with momentum and they feel good about themselves. Plus, they were able to hold the, hold the Ravens to a very, very close game just a few weeks before this. And the Ravens are clearly the best team in football right now. And if the Rams were able to do that when nobody else could, I'd feel very confident if I were them. So putting all of this context aside, let's see where these two teams match up personnel-wise. This game on paper looks like it could be a very high-scoring affair. Both these teams have very strong young running backs that have been on fire down the stretch now Kyron Williams the Notre Dame product he's a second year player and he's been on fire scoring six touchdowns in the last five games and going over 100 scrimmage yards in all of those games on the other hand rookie running back Jameer Gibbs from Alabama at first beginning this season a lot of fans and a lot of uh a lot of you know people around the NFL wanted to see Jameer Gibbs workload increased they felt like the Lions are wasting him, although they spent a first round pick on him. And since the trade deadline and since the midway point in the season, uh, Jameer Gibbs, he's, his workload has increased a lot and he's been an explosive piece in this offense. He adds into an already potent backfield of him and David Montgomery. And the two of them should look to run well and, you know, should be, should be very productive over with a, with a very strong offensive line in Detroit. Now, the, the Lions contrast the contra- contrast the Rams just a little bit because the Rams have arguably one of the best wide receiving duos in the NFL. While especially with the with the loss of Sam Laporta, the, the Lions are looking a little bit weak on the offensive on the offensive threat there. Um, the Rams have Cooper Cup who was Offensive Player of the Year last year, and future Rookie of the Year, potentially Puka Nakua, and they're going to be a, a, a matchup nightmare for Detroit's defensive backs. And this is a huge uh, part of this you know matchup because Detroit has been shelled by the pass game this season, and the one-two punch of these wide receivers will be extremely hard to stop. Detroit's leading pass catcher, Amonro St. Brown, must carry the skill position group on offense if Laporta and Rayman will not play. Although he's a stellar wide receiver, he's going to have to handle a huge workload if the Lions want to be successful on offense. Now, these skill position players are a huge key in this game, but as previously mentioned, both of these teams' quarterbacks are what are gonna be win or lose them the game. Both of these quarterbacks can throw the ball extremely well and have no fear in making big throws to win their team the game. The biggest key for Stafford and Goff will be ball security though. This is going to be a game of thin margins, and it's going to be extremely close no matter how high or how low the score is. I think the quarterback that shines the brightest in this game will be the one with the cleanest game. It doesn't necessarily have to be pretty with a lot of touchdowns and a lot of over-the-top throws, but if Goff or Stafford is able to control the game, manage the game, and not turn over the ball, I think that either their sides will be able to walk out with a win. With all that in mind, I believe these offenses will be able to score, but I do believe that Los Angeles' defense will trouble Detroit at times. While I don't foresee the Lions' defense posing a major threat to the Rams' offense due to their lack of defensive back help and also because of them only having one premier pass rusher in Aiden Hutchinson, Well, the Rams do have, uh, they do have an aging Aaron Donald who is still very, very effective, I believe that their defense will be more up to par try to slow down the Lions offense and I think that's what's going to possibly give the Rams the edge in this game now another topic to talk about in this is that the Lions are very very inexperienced when it comes to the playoffs as I already talked about before they haven't been to the playoffs and they haven't won a playoff game in over two decades I mean in fact actually three decades so their playoff inexperience will show early on and Sean McVay's superior scheming and preparation will I I believe will allow LA to jump to an early lead. I think giving a week of preparation for Sean McVay and also allowing him to have an early script will probably lead to the Rams looking better in the first quarter. However, the Lions are really no stranger being to being in a deficit. I believe that's honestly when they truly come alive. That's when Dan Campbell feels like he can motivate his players and I think their underdog mentality will show and once the Lions' comeback starts rolling, if it does, I think they're going to find a way to win. But at the same time, I do trust the Rams a lot more situationally late in the game because I think Sean McVay is a brilliant coach. So I think this is going to be a really, really close game. Uh, I, but I do believe that the Rams are going to find a way to squeak out a victory. And I, I think that they're going to take it 24 to 21. I believe that... Jared Goff will will still have a good game. He'll still, you know, he'll still prove to Los Angeles. He'll still prove to Sean McVay that he is a he is a strong quarterback, and he is going to be a you know he's going to be a face in the NFC for some time to come. And so will the Lions. However, I don't think I really like this matchup for Detroit. Just being it, it's their first year in the playoffs, um, and I think that I think that they're just going to have some mishaps as they had down the stretch. <clears throat> And rounds versus the Texans. Now, this game is on Saturday, so NFL fans hopefully will be very, very happy that they're going to have games on Saturday and Sunday. Each of their games are going to be big, and they're going to be in their own window. This one is going to be at 4.30 p.m., and it's going to be at Houston. This game, I believe, will be incredibly interesting because both of these two teams come in with, I believe, a nothing-to-lose mindset. Now, what do I mean by that? I think for the Texans, they come in as a team that nobody really expected to be where they are today just because of their record last season and also because of the fact that they have a rookie quarterback, a rookie head coach, and... I believe that most people, most fans, didn't expect them to have above a five hundred record this season after they finished three and thirteen last year. But with the emergence of C.J. Stroud, the Texans have proved to be a team to watch for this year and seasons to come. Now they've already proved doubters wrong, and they've already shown that they can possibly be the leaders of the AFC South for years to come. So they've done everything they can do with this season, and anything in the playoffs would be a cherry on top. But At this point in time, nobody, including themselves, probably expected them to be here. So I feel like they have the ability to to wreak havoc in the playoffs because they have no pressure on them. They have nothing to lose, and they're not the favorites in this game. Now, usually when one team has an underdog mentality, you very rarely find that in the team opposing from them, especially because the Browns, in this case, are favored in this game, but I think the Cleveland Browns have this mentality for a much different reason. The roster and their team are much more solidified than Houston. That's why they're their favorites. They have a strong veteran core and they have a viable team and they've had that for the past few seasons. They've been a team that's been on the outside looking in on the playoffs, but they very well could have been you know could have made a deep playoff run uh, and the real thing that's been holding them back has been quarterback play. They've simply been a quarterback away from being relevant in postseason c- consideration for the past few years, whether it was Baker, Mayfield at the helm or or in the past in these past seasons it's been the signing of Deshaun Watson that's held them back. Now, Watson was supposed to bring them to the promised land of the NFL playoffs and the Cleveland Browns signed him to a massive extension expecting that he was going to be the thing that pushes them over the edge and gets them to be relevant in the AFC. But he's underperformed and he's really struggled to stay healthy. And this season was none was none different, and he went down with a shoulder injury and he was knocked out for the year. So the Browns were forced to look for other options at quarterback when he went down, and they signed a 38-year-old Joe Flacco off of his couch at home to be a backup. Now, when I say he was literally on his couch in his house, that's that's I mean, I'm not exaggerating. That's literally where he was. He didn't have any NFL teams interested in him. He quite literally had no reason to really be. Continuing to train or, you know, really keep himself in shape because he didn't really think the phone was going to ring for him. But the Browns decided to pick him up and he was going to serve as perhaps a backup or as a third string quarterback behind another quarterback, as in, you know, rookie Dorian Thompson Robinson, who originally got the start and he played a few games for the Browns. But when they decided to bench Robinson, Flacco was the man that was the man to, you know, stepped up and. He really hasn't looked back since then. He got his chance to play, and he's honestly played like a man possessed around, down the stretch. He already pretty much has his legacy cemented. He already won a Super Bowl. He already had you know a, you know, a Super Bowl MVP caliber season and a, a legendary playoff run in 2012. So honestly, the reason why the Browns have this nothing-to-lose playoff mentality is because Joe Flacco is leading the helm. they they know that this is an unlikely situation for them to be in. And honestly, they have a quarterback that really shouldn't be playing the way he is, but he's, he's balling out right now. So they feel like they're invincible. They've been able to run the table and make it into the playoffs. And it seems like this is exactly what the Browns needed to propel them to feel confident going into the AFC playoffs. And they've been really energized. And I feel like they've adopted Flacco's mentality as well. Now... In terms of what it looks like for the blueprints for these two teams and in terms of personnel and matchups, the blueprint for, for victory for Cleveland is to control time of possession on offense, and I believe they need to keep CJ Stroud and the Texans on the sideline. The Browns, I think, have to force the Texans in passing situations to allow uh, pass rushers such as Miles Garrett or Javion Clowney to try to put some pressure on Stroud and play to the strength of their front seven. The Browns have a very formidable defense, but I don't think that their pass rush will be as effective if their defense is on the field, back to back to back, and Cleveland is not running the ball very well and controlling the clock. But if Cleveland is able to control time of possession, and they give their defense adequate time to rest, I think that the Texans are going to have some trouble with that. And I think if Cleveland is able to control this game the way they want to, they're going to jump out to an early lead. And I think this is going to put the Texans into an obvious passing situation on most, you know, first and second downs and obviously third downs. So I think that it'll help and it'll go a long way for the Cleveland Browns defense to be able to confidently rush, you know, five, six, or even drop back and play covered and just and just, and just allow their, you know, their pass rush to, to, to basically tee off on CJ Stroud, who's a rookie quarterback who's exceptional, don't get me wrong, but put him in a pressure situation, you know, in the playoffs when he's feeling the heat, I think will be the key to success for the Cleveland Browns. Now, offensively, I just talked about Flacco a lot, but I don't think that he's going to have to do a whole lot in this game besides make a few big throws, you know, maybe maybe two to three and really just try to play a more clean game and manage the game. He doesn't need to be a world beater. He doesn't need to be, you know, 2012 Joe Flacco. He just needs to play safe, hand the ball off, and run the offense. I believe if he can control this game, Cleveland's defense will be able to take care of their job, and I think the Browns should look and feel pretty confident going against the Texans here. Now, On the other hand, the Texans need to bring energy and explosiveness a young team should at home, and hopefully they'll be able to feed off this and roll with some momentum. I think the key here is not, not to put too much pressure on CJ Stroud to be 100% perfect, but rather just let him be himself, play his game, and allow him to improvise. That's when we've seen him at his best. We've seen him at his best when the, you know, the, the odds are against him, the Texans are being doubted, and there may be in a deficit so they really just need to play loose and play free let cj stroud find nico collins find tank dell find dalton schultz and his other playmakers and i think the texans defense is good enough to keep them in this game throughout it's not going to be more than a two or three possession game unless the texans really shoot themselves in the foot so as long as stroud is in and alive in this game um i think they're going to be able to they're going to be able to like overcome a lot of different deficits and a lot of different circumstances just because of how magical Stroud is as a quarterback and I think how effective Houston is in a deficit. Now the thing about the Texans where I do feel a little bit scared with them is that they're going to need to overcome some shortcomings that a younger team has and they're very obviously less experienced so they're likely going to be susceptible to penalties or simple mistakes such as you know special teams ones or you know simple simple like uh, schematic penalties or just general situational football they could have some mistakes um that's just the case with any you know with any team that's has a rookie quarterback has a rookie head coach and this is one of the youngest teams in the NFL so i i do feel like there are going to have to overcome some of these things but I will give them some I will give them some slack. They will be at home, so they won't have to deal with an away crowd. So that might play into their favor, but I do think that despite that, they're still going to have to be they're still gonna have to step up and overcome a lot of shortcomings that a young team has. And that's what kind of holds them back, perhaps early in the game. Now, for the Texans, if they can keep this game close enough throughout three and a half quarters, and they create some fourth-quarter magic, which they've done a lot of times this year, I think they can find a way to pull out of this game with a win and move on to the divisional round. However, I do feel like they're, they're, uh, the, the Browns' defense is a personnel matchup mismatched for them, and the lack of experience for the Texans is going to lead me to pick the Browns, and I'm going to have the Browns winning slightly convincingly, but still a close game. 27 to 17, and I probably expect the Browns to score maybe a garbage time touchdown, maybe a field goal that puts this game away, but I do expect it to be a one possession game throughout most of it. Now, we're going to get in the last three that I mean, sorry, the last two that I've discussed because I felt like those last two games were going to be perhaps the most compelling of the weekend and perhaps the closest. And they have a lot of storylines going into them, but the Dolphins and Chiefs is being talked about like a game that will be a playoff classic, you know, two high powered offenses, two AFC teams with great offensive minds at coach, but this matchup is is very deceiving to me. So this will be in the night window, 8 PM on Saturday at Kansas city. Obviously, Arrowhead is the place to be for a playoff game. Expect for it to be extremely big time. Expect for Taylor Swift to be there. It's going to happen. Anyway, though, this matchup is a really deceiving one, as I was just saying, because this is, this game is built to be one, or hyped up to be one, that will be a high-scoring, high-scoring offensive affair, but I don't think we're going to see that from the Dolphins, and I, honestly, I don't think that we're going to see that from the Chiefs, but... To talk about the Dolphins, I don't believe the Dolphins are built to win in the playoffs. Every single sign points towards it. But as fans, we continue to give them praise time and time again. They are not battle-tested. They cannot win on the road. And I assure you, they definitely cannot win in the cold. They're from Miami. So it's as simple as that. I think the Dolphins really are not going to be very, very, very... I mean, they're not going to be the same team that we saw put up 70 points on the Broncos. We're not going to see that team ever again throughout the rest of this season, even if they find a way to make it through a, through the through this round. They're not going to be a team that has a formidable offense that somehow just outscores the opposing team and is wins at a track meet. That's not going to be what Miami does. They haven't shown any ability to do that against a winning team. They've only been able to do that against teams with a losing record. Now. That doesn't go to say that the Chiefs are going to dominate this game. The Chiefs are at a very different stage in their dynasty now, where their offense is no longer what they can lean on. Patrick Mahomes, without a doubt, is still the best quarterback in the league, but this offense is solely dependent on his playmaking and a little bit of Isaiah Pacheco's running. Travis Kelsey is finally showing his old age. He's been great to this point in his career, but he's no longer the same player, and he's not the same dominant force at tight end. Throughout, time, throughout the season, we've seen that none of Patrick Mahomes' receivers are elite. As much as I love, you know, Rasheed Rice, Kadarius Toney, I don't believe that these guys are going to step up and be a wide receiver one that the Chiefs need to make plays, you know, on third and long. And, you know, in this game with the wind blowing, and it's going to be cold at Arrowhead. I just don't think that they have any guys on this team anymore that are able to make those plays. And I also think now they really lack the ability to create explosive plays. It, it's clearly been a frustrating thing for Patrick Mahomes and for Andy Reid this season, because they're just not the same offense that they have been in the past. There's no longer those crazy one play touchdowns that we see from the chiefs. They're just not that team anymore. They're a lot more methodical. They are a lot more scheme based and they honestly are not the same, you know, Mahomes improvisation, crazy throws. That's just not who they are. That's, that's not their identity on offense. So I don't think this is going to be a slug out track meet. I think it's going to be a slower low point game. And I honestly honestly have no doubt that the Chiefs are going to win this game. I believe that, you know, the last two matchups I've been highlighting are going to be close games. Without a doubt, I can say that. But I don't think this game is going to feel necessarily close throughout this. The Dolphins are without their two best pass rushers as in Bradley Chubb and Jalen Phillips. Andy Reid is going to be given some time to to scheme and to plan, and he's going to be in the playoffs. There's And they're going to be at home. Like This is exactly what the Chiefs want. I mean, as much as their offense is not going to put up a lot of points, I don't think that you can really doubt Andy Reid in the playoffs, nor can you doubt Patrick Mahomes at home. And again, in the playoffs, this team does not lose these type of games. They're not they're not gonna lose this game. I really don't think that they're gonna they're gonna find a way to to lose to the Dolphins here. Again, I don't think that they're the same team we've seen in the past. I don't expect the same dominance that we saw from the Super Bowl winning teams, but they're gonna be able to lean on their home field advantage and they're gonna, I think, be able to try to eliminate the eliminate the Dolphins by by just simply controlling this game, not shooting themselves in the foot, and allowing their defense to try to make to a make completions on second or third and long. Their defense is now the strong side of their team. And I believe that they can shut down the Dolphins offense aside from former chief Tyree kill, who will have a field day at some points in this game, but their defense is what's going to hold the, his hold the Dolphins back from being able to run all over the chiefs. And I think that they're going to be able to honestly keep the Dolphins in check because the Dolphins, when it comes to cold weather, you know, wind. They're not used to that. They play in Miami. They play when it's sunny. They play when it's seventy degrees and humid. They're not gonna know what it's to do when it's in Arrowhead. It's snowy. It's wind, it's windy. They're not gonna be able to handle that. And that's why I think that the Chiefs are gonna win this game. <clears throat> now, I will argue just a little bit from the Dolphins side here. You know, they did make it to the playoffs for a reason. They are here. Um they do they do have some potential to win this game just slightly. I will say the only scenario where I see them being able to win this game is if they establish the run with Raheem Mostert and Devon A-Chain, and they get play action going off of that. If they can have to throw the ball twenty to twenty-five times this game, establish the run, keep Patrick Mahomes off the field, I think they could find themselves to situationally, you know, to situationally be in a good position to win this game fourth quarter. But I don't think that Tua will be efficient enough, or he will be mistake proneless to to win this game. If you let him throw the ball thirty to forty times, that's not what we're going to see. If you give him the ball, down you know, down three, down seven, with you know, two minutes left, he's he's gonna not he's gonna throw an interception. He's not gonna win the game. I, I love Tua. I mean, I think he's a great guy. I think he's a good quarterback. But just turn on the film from last week. Look what happened against the Bills. I mean, with the game on the line to a tonga with the ball, he throws an interception. And Tyreek Hill wasn't on the field for one play, and that's exactly what happened. So I don't think that the Dolphins are gonna be able to win this game, especially with the Chiefs. I, I think feeling as confident as they do in the playoffs. So I'm gonna take the Chiefs to win this game twenty-eight to fourteen, perhaps with a late uh elite you know, score towards the end of the game to make this game look a little bit closer than it actually was or look sorry not a little bit closer a little bit a little bit less close than it was perhaps a garbage time touchdown from the Chiefs but this game could be a two possession two possession game throughout I don't think the offense for the Dolphins is going to be able to get their motor going like we've expected in the past all right well season three is in is, is starting now for a Productions podcast. I really, really thank you guys for tuning in if you stayed to this point. And I hope to be seeing you guys next week for a divisional round preview. Um, I Hopefully we'll be uploading this on YouTube. You'll see some short clips, hopefully on the Instagram. And make sure to repost, give it some love. And yeah, thank you guys again for, for sticking with me, supporting supporting the podcast. And I will see you guys for the next episode. Peace.